didn't you didn't beat up a champion, bro. Uh, I don't think that Errol Spence would beat Sean Porter. Okay. Uh, God bless you, kid. You're blessed. Um, everybody knows in boxing that it, that it's timing. You know, I don't I don't really like to talk really down on fighters uh, and, and take away. You know, I I hate. I hate people who just treat people like, oh, this guy's washed up now, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of stuff being said about me and my career, you know. But um, do I still think you just beat up almost nobody? You know, you didn't beat up a real champion, kid. You know, everybody knows you put Thurman in the ring on that same night. Thurman, white Spence, that Spence, that arrow gets wiped by... Hi, and welcome back to the number one podcast in the sport where every year it's delayed, I'm more and more correct about the fact that Joshua and Wilder will never step in the ring together. And no matter how desperate Eddie Hearn is to make this happen, I just, I don't believe, well, I don't believe two things. Number one, I don't believe it's the fight Joshua wants. And two, I just don't believe it's a fight that can be made for the numbers that people are talking about. And... We could go all the way back to 2016 or 2015, whenever it was when Joshua was number one in the WBC and lining himself up to be Wilder's mandatory. And they were just like, oh, that's not the guy we want to fight. And as much as Hearn was talking back then about Wilder being terrible at boxing and unable to take Joshua's punches, most people in boxing knew that if Wilder landed on Joshua, it would end badly. And so... We've known from a very early stage that Joshua doesn't fancy that Wilder fight because at any point in the last six or seven years, he could have just said, let's do it for 50-50. We're both big enough draws that it makes sense commercially. And from a legacy perspective, it's pretty much up there. And we're talking at a time when Fury wasn't available. That was always going to be Joshua's legacy fight because... In terms of holding belts, they were peers. They were the guys who had the belts. And so people will say, well, what was Joshua scared of? Was he scared of fighting Wilder? Was he scared of jumping in the ring with Deontay? Now, you guys know my view on this. No boxer is afraid to step in the ring. You are conditioned to walk into that ring and not fear what's coming back at the other end. I don't believe Joshua's scared of anybody. But I think Joshua's scared of life. I think Anthony Joshua is scared of what happens outside of the ring. In the ring, he's probably quite happy. Everything makes sense to him in the ring. It's outside the ring, and he carries that into the ring. So I'll give you an example. Imagine if Joshua got laid out the same way that Brazil did, and all Anthony Joshua would see for weeks is that knockout. He'd become a meme and he'd be a figure of fun and all this sort of stuff would happen. And any time that Hearn piped up, people would just remind him what happened. It's the same way that if you look at how Usyk knocked Bellew out, 
whenever Bellew gets a bit ahead of himself, someone in his reply section always puts that Usyk knockout there. And you're forced to relive something you'd rather not relive. And as tough as people claim they are, you see that a hundred times, a thousand times, it's going to affect you. And I think that's the root of Joshua's fear. And Wilder can do that to him. In fact, Wilder would do that to him without a shadow of a doubt. Because if Ruiz could do it, and Ruiz hasn't put a dent in anyone of note, really, has he? If Ruiz could do it, Wilder will do it in minutes, if not seconds. It would be a Hellenius-style knockout, which is a scary prospect, right? The, the thought of Joshua just sleeping on the canvas, that's all of his endorsements gone. That's all those TV shows gone because people will make fun. Like, it, he, he's built this massive edifice we call the Joshua Project on this show, obviously, that that sort of savage knockout is the end of that. If you're a sponsor, you're like, oh, God, that's not a good look. Right, you're going to start backing away from Joshua because you don't rebuild from that sort of knockout when you've been to the heights that Anthony Joshua has, and that's just the harsh reality. And I'm not saying this to, to do him down, I'm just saying that when you've been in the sport long enough, you understand that two men fighting each other, there's no fear in that because to get to the level where you're fighting on TV, you've got to love it, you've got to love that head to head competition. I think Joshua does, I think his fear is all the other stuff. And so that's one of the reasons you've had to drag Joshua to the brink of even thinking about this fight or the Fury fight or the Usyk fight. He'd rather have swerved all of those fights because there was a real risk of him getting put to sleep. But let's bring it back to Saudi and the here and now and how we ended up in this is essentially a mess, right? And if you remember Joshua... I think Joshua's fought twice in Saudi, and they were both rematches, right? So he fought Andy Ruiz in the rematch in Saudi, and he fought again when he fought Usyk in Saudi. And the assumption was that this is where Joshua's going to be for the rest of his career, because they were throwing money at it. But if you remember at that time, Saudi Arabia didn't really have much sporting leverage. This was pre-Newcastle takeover, pre-Live um, slash LPGA, or PGA, sorry, not LPGA, PGA Tour. This was pre-Saudi Pro League, Al Nasser, Al Etihad, all that stuff. And so if you look at what boxing did, it said, right, this is a new place to, to essentially steal a living. That's what it is, it's stealing a living, right? We're going to put on subpar fights for as long as we can because we don't believe these Saudis know anything about sport. Now, anyone who knows the Saudis, um, the guys from the GCC region, the guys from the United Arab Emirates, the people who run those countries went to the best universities in the world. <laughs> Without a shadow of a doubt, they're very clued up people. They're very worldly wise. And they, they hide it well behind the modesty. But they're worldly wise. And so they were willing to give Joshua a chance when Joshua was fighting to get the belts. Ruiz was to get the belts back. Uzik was to get the belts back. They were career on the line fights. 
you can sell that. Right? But let's look at what you're essentially talking about right now. You're talking about Anthony Joshua fighting Deontay Wilde in Saudi Arabia for 100 million plus. Is what Hearn is thinking in his head. The Saudis are like, but these guys don't have a belt between them. They don't have an IBO. They don't have a WBC Intercontinental. These guys do not have a belt between them. How are we going to sell this? This is a thing Hearn never realized. Those fights made sense when the world titles were on the line. If you look at where we are right now, the Saudis control all four belts. They've got Fury. Binganu thinks should let you know that he's, he's in bed with the Saudis for as long as he can be. They're, Tommy Fury's... That's, that's another thing that's coming. So the Fury family are definitely trying to get in there, right? Skill challenge on the other side have Usyk. So all four belts are Saudi-controlled. If you think about the Middle East, they generally don't know who Joshua is. Most people outside of the UK don't know who Joshua is. We've got this warped notion that because we're boxing fans, what we know is what the whole world knows. People don't know who Joshua is. So if you can't explain Anthony Joshua as the world champion, it doesn't make sense. If you can't explain Deontay Wilder as the world champion, it doesn't make sense because the societies will go, but we've got Fury and Usyk who have all the belts. That's the bit Hearn just didn't have the humility to accept. He has no leverage without those belts because those belts are what turn essentially two men looking for a payday into a global event. Those two guys fighting for undisputed, knowing that one of them is going to get knocked out, is essentially what people want. Now, I'm not close enough to the Saudis to know this, but I have people in Saudi Arabia, so I can gauge the heartbeat. And the issue you've got essentially is, yes, they control the belts, but no one cares about Fury and no one cares about Usyk. It's as simple as that. That is not a global event. That's a, a fight for boxing fans. And when you've got geopolitical aims that go beyond sport and pardon the pun beyond boxing why do you care about undisputed if it doesn't elevate and at the same time you've been running these numbers over Cristiano Ronaldo um, Sadio Mane and the list goes on Neymar all people who have come to Saudi Arabia and put it on the map in a way that Joshua can't, in a way that Wilder can't. So why would you give those guys a hundred million when they don't move the needle anymore? You wouldn't. So when people say that, yeah, yeah, it's a hundred million pound fight, it's because boxing fans are generally ignorant. It's not a hundred million pound fight because you'd want to generate that in return on investment. And Joshua and Wilder just don't do that. They don't do that anymore. They're both on the downsides of their career. And there's no one coming through of the character and the gravitas to, to be those guys. So the Saudis are there going, Fury versus Usyk to us as a sideshow. We'll bung these guys 20 million each. Just get it done. Get it out the way. If it helps us, it helps us. But at least the history books will say it happened in Saudi. So that is their preferred option, is the undisputed fight. They actually don't care who's got the belts. Just get the undisputed fight done in Saudi for the kudos. Move on.
probably park boxing as an experiment. Although there is an aspiration to build a boxing profile, and they will eventually they will start developing their own champions. There are a number of things that work in their favor. If we look at the Middle East as a whole, you can generally get access to PEDs without a prescription. So by the time you've turned pro, you've probably been cooking on hot sauce for a while. Um, they have the space to build state-of-the-art facilities, have the money to do it. They can get the best trainers in because, you know, boxing trainers would do it for free if they could. So it's not going to be expensive to get the best trainers over there. So they have all the things going in their favor if they make a concerted effort. But what they won't do is spend $100 million on two guys that don't have belts. doesn't mean anything to them. It's not, it's not historic in that sense. So then if you flip it around and go, well, why is there skill challenge and why is there the, the Saudi Ministry of Entertainment and why are they so different? And it's, it's, look, if you studied medieval history in this country, you'll know it was always about who can get the ear of the king. If the prince can get the ear of the king, skill challenge, get the money. If the minister for entertainment can get the king's ear, he gets the money. And that's, that's all that's happening at the moment. It's just a shift in balance of power for this reason. Saudi's looking at what happens past the oil. Right? You know, we, we, we've been saying for like 50 years that the oil will run out. Although I don't really understand how oil runs out if it's created by a natural process of dead matter being compressed and turned into oil over time. So you're always going to create new oil. So I don't know if it will run out when we say it will run out. I always found that a bit odd. But the Saudis are moving towards that kind of entertainment model where you're not just going to come to Saudi Arabia for Hajj or those sorts of things, right? And they've got to build other destinations. Because I think if I'm correct, non-Muslims can't go to Mecca and Medina. Only Muslims can go. Only if you've done your Shahada can you go to Mecca and Medina. So what do you do with Jeddah and Riyadh? You want to turn those, Drinia, you want to turn all of those into places that tourists want to come and spend their money, where people want to come and be expats and live, where people want to locate their Middle Eastern headquarters or their MENA headquarters, Middle Eastern North Africa, or where actually people just want to be because it's easier from a time zone. As the world's wealth moves east, the Middle East is a great place to do business because you're kind of in all the good time zones. So they're the high-level Saudi goals. And like as you know, the Saudi Arabia goal is Saudi 2030. That's when it wants to announce itself to the world. Here is somewhere you want to be part of. Golf will do that. Football will do that. I'm not sure boxing will. That's the harsh reality. So all the people who were like, yeah, boxing's where the money's at. All of these guys, like you see Derek dressing up like Lawrence of Arabia, they don't care. Until you can give them something that's noteworthy, it doesn't make sense for them to invest. Because this isn't a gift, by the way, it's an investment. Yeah? For ownership of something that can generate value in the future. An undisputed fight does that. One with Fury and Usyk, less so. Um, Joshua and Wilder fighting. It's just an entertaining freak show, I guess. And so that's what's caught Eddie Hearn off guard, is that he... He dithered so long on this fight and he assumed that Saudi money was his for whenever he wanted it. And he can talk about he's had calls with this person and that person. We all do this, right? How many times have you met a woman 
and it's just been the perpetual talking stage. The messages go back and forth and you're like, this ain't going to happen, is it? And Hearn's in that place right now where he's starting to realize they're not going to give us the money to make this happen. And why Hearns hasn't just, why Eddie hasn't pivoted and just gone, do you know what? Let's just do it in Vegas. Cash out in Vegas. Maybe because this, it was never real. It was always a, AJ will fight Deontay Wilder if you make enough money that he need never fight again. Because they know that could be the end for him. Will Vegas give AJ that kind of, I don't think it will because that Vegas crowd is a smart crowd and they know that Joshua hasn't been the same since Ruiz stopped him. He hasn't been the same since Vlad put him down. Vegas fans will know that. You're not pulling the wool over their eyes. They know that. So it's a hard sell. You know, Wilder's a man that hasn't beaten Fury despite knocking him down God knows how many times. It's a hard sell. We almost just want the fight so we can be done with it. And... And that's the, that's the thread they've always pulled with boxing fans, isn't it? Whenever, whenever we get bored of boxing, yeah, I think AJ might fight Wilder or AJ might fight Fury. And then we all start talking again. And then we realize we've been conned. And it happens again and again. So I can tell you this now. They'll make Joshua fight in December. And if Joshua fights in December, can someone tell me when the hell does Errol Spence fight? Because in my head at the moment, you've got Charlo versus Canelo at the end of the month. Yeah, I think I'm assuming he's still with Derek James. Then you're going to go into a Frank Martin fight, October, November time. Then you're going to Joshua. So when does Ryan Garcia fight? When does Anthony Joshua fight? Derek James has got the kind of gym where some people have to leave. Whether he kicks them out or they leave with their own free will, they have to leave because there are too many superstars there getting substandard treatment from what I can figure out and reading between the lines. It's probably not what it should be. But who am I to say? But let's just bring him back. I expect you'll see Joshua fight again because he needs the money. He's trying to get out and he wants that one big payday. And they can't find a way to get that one big payday. And that's the sad thing. Like we've we've watched this boxing market decay and decline and roll backwards, and we've all kind of moaned about it and said, "Ah, oh, it's this." But we're we're facing this recession now. The cost of capital is not what it was before, where you could take gambles with sporting events and still kind of make money. I mean, because remember, a lot of this is about borrowing money. Yes, they have assets to pay the debts off, but it's about borrowing money. Even Hearn to put fights on. You're getting an overdraft or you're getting a bridging loan. All money. And the rates have gone up. So it's just more expensive to put these fights on. Um, you're not guaranteed to get the same return you were four or five years ago. The pandemic changed a lot. So to summarize all of that, you're unlikely to see AJ versus Wilder in any meaningful context. Unless Joshua goes, yeah, I have that as my last fight right out into the sunset. But it won't be for big money. It'll be for whatever they can squeeze out of the UK audience would be my assessment of it. It will happen here because we would, we're the only country who I think are blind enough to just go, right, if they're fighting here, we're all just going to pack out Wembley. The same way we packed out White Hart Lane 
Is that, is that what you call the new Tottenham Stadium? <laughs> no idea. White Hart Lane, right? The same way we packed out White Hart Lane for Fury versus Chisora 3. One, two, three. Crazy. But let's, let's go from, from the guys that were at the top of the mountain and focus on, on the man that is right now, Terence Crawford. I always find it really weird in a sport of supposedly pretty tough adult men. We always get this weird behavior that happens, and I don't know why, and I don't know if it's a recent thing. And I, I wonder if it's down to this kind of YouTubification of boxing. But Crawford comes out with a tweet. And Crawford says very clearly, Danny Garcia, Keith Thurman, you will never get a shot at me while I, while I have these belts. Never. And you get where Crawford's coming from, right? Because he was always on the outside looking in and they never showed him any love. And now that he's kind of the man, he, he's got every right to say, well, why am I fighting these guys? I don't care about these guys. They never cared about me. And for context, it's worth remembering, these are all peers, by the way. They all did the Golden Gloves together. They did the Olympic trials together. They are the same generation. These are guys who should have fought each other numerous times. You know, put Porter into that mix as well. And they never did. And you can see why Crawford's frustrated. And so you get the usual tit for tat. Danny Garcia's like, I don't need to fight you. I'm rich. I've been making money way before you were. Um, Thurman's come out. And he's... Oh, man. A man who's fought once in four years is really embarrassing himself by, what's the word they use? Bloviating about fighting Crawford. You're like, stop, mate. Just please stop. And this is the truest sign of what a mess we're in as a result of all of these undisputed fights. We waited so long for Spence Crawford that Jerome Ennis doesn't have a belt. Virgil Ortiz doesn't have a belt. They've never had opportunities to fight these guys like Thurman, Garcia, Porter. Porter's now retired. They never had their chance because everyone was waiting for the undisputed fight and then they were going to come out with their begging bowls, right? And so in the meantime, we've never built the future welterweight stars to the point where Conor Ben of, of this kind of new breed, Conor Ben's probably the most lucrative guy out there. And he can't fight. So when you break all of this down and you look at boxing, you go, we're, we're done. It's the same with the undisputed fight at heavyweight. It's just held everything up. So if all of those guys who are 34 plus retired now, like who, who's next? Joe George will fight Zhile Zhang, combined age of what, 77? Um... If Fury were to fight Usyk, that's a combined age of 70. Joshua fights Wilder, combined age of 68. There's no youth coming through. Even Hergovic has got to be 30 now. There's no youth coming through. Because everyone sat there and said, we want to see these undisputed fights. And we realize that they're not worth it now. Because it's messed up the division. Yeah. Middleweight's wasteland because we waited for Canelo and Golovkin to do their thing for so long. It's just ruined middleweight. Super mid is a, is a wasteland. Um, same with light heavyweight because we're waiting for undisputed. Everyone else is just parked up, kicking, kicking rocks. This is why boxing's a mess and fans, fans want to be told what to do. And so we're not going to challenge this. We're not going to challenge this ever. 
Because really, the only ones that mattered in terms of undisputed for me were Crawford and Inouye because they were guys who hadn't come close to tasting defeat. So we wanted to see you know, how high up the ladder can those guys go. We've seen it now. Now everyone, if you've got three or more belts, give them up. Like Haney's had to give up belts. So now Shakur Stevenson is fighting for the WBC lightweight belt, but he's not fighting Frank Martin because now I think they suspected all four belts will go vacant. So I imagine they just pulled Frank Martin back and said, well, why don't we do it for a unification? Make more money, pull more money out of the network for that one. And it annoys me, but I get it from a business perspective. And then you hope that Tank will go for one of the belts as well. So we actually have contenders who are willing to unify but it's all wishful thinking. Uh, I don't know. And these are the times when it comes to pro boxing, you get deflated. I get asked this question. What is it you love about boxing? I always say it's about the people. I mean, a lot of you guys that I've met in person, um, a lot of you guys who listen to this that I've known for years, that's what I love about boxing. All the stuff I get to talk about here is just a source of frustration. But I can always manage that because I know all the good stuff that happens in and around it. So I thank everyone that listens. I thank everyone that I speak to in the real world. However we do it is always appreciated. And that's, that's my boxing reality. But we are, we're, we're in a mess right now in terms of the future doesn't look great. And it's down to promoters having too much power, promoters fighting for control of belts to try and do this and do that. Like, look at it, Chantal Cameron and Katie Taylor. Essentially, they're holding up eight belts. If, if my maths is correct, they're holding up eight belts. And then McCaskill's going to fight Sandy Ryan. And that's going to be another few belts held up between three people. Meanwhile, there are women boxers out there just trying to make a living, trying to eat. And all these belts are being hoarded. I... I would genuinely love there to be a stipulation that says you can only ever hold one world title. So if you do unify, great, but you've got to give one of them up. I would love that. Just park all of the undisputed nonsense and just go, right, you end up with two belts, you've got to get it down to one. You choose which belt you want to keep. And maybe then more people will get better fights and make more money and there'll be more of an incentive to rise up that ladder because right now, as I said, people are just kicking rocks. I don't think what else has been happening in boxing. The doping thing is gathering speed. Um, <laughs> I always start with this. Do boxing fans really care about boxers taking drugs now? Or are we just like, just leave them to it? Because we're now hearing Dave Allen going, I haven't been tested for years. Um, Sky Nicholson's like, I've never been tested as a pro. And all these boxers are coming out now saying that they've not been tested. Yeah, but we've been saying this for a long time. Um, but when you really break down the UCAD numbers, and I've seen someone's done this, in terms of the number of people that participate in boxing, we are massively over-tested relative to other sports. Um, the Paul Pogba thing where he, I think he got found with elevated levels of testosterone, is a reminder that boxing is not the only sport with a problem. It's just that it's hard to catch people in the larger sports. And that's mainly down to the fact that UCAD don't want to catch them. It's not worth the aggravation. It's not worth the, the cost. It's not worth any of that. They'd rather just not know. And those industries are so lucrative that people are incentivized to keep their mouths shut. But look, two, what was it? 
two rugby players failed tests. They failed tests for growth hormone or something. And that's just kind of been like, eh, whatever. And even when the allegation was, I think it was Reese Webb, like the Welsh setup gave him the drugs. People didn't care. So what hope has boxing got when boxing is the wild, wild west of sport? And I know people love to hammer Eddie Hearn and go, oh, look how many drug cheats Eddie Hearn's worked with. Um, Hearn is literally getting roasted for testing more than anyone else. I don't think the profile of his fighters is any different from any other promoter. Small hall, global, doesn't matter. You've got guys on your shows taking drugs. They may not take them on the day, they may not take them on the week, but you've got guys taking drugs. It could just be something like a psalm, right? You could be taking a psalm like um, YK11. You could be taking a peptide like um, CJC with DAC. You could be taking an IGF LR3. There are all these sorts of things that boxers are probably injecting, right? Thinking, oh, you know, it'll help me recover this and the third. And they're not allowed. And then there are other athletes and other boxers who are taking stuff that isn't on the wider list, but it's performance enhancing too. And so they, they live in that gray area of they're not breaking the rules, but they are trying to gain an advantage. This is just how boxing is. You know, it's not fair to name people until they fail the test in any sport. But there are people who, if they were tested today, would fail. Guaranteed. And people you'd know. People you've been in a gym with sometimes. But yeah, there'd be people like that. And I've heard people say, I can't speak on it. I think everyone in boxing should speak on it because at some point you're going to be able to link PED use to the damage being suffered. That whole CTE thing, when that lawsuit lands and people say there was insufficient anti-doping tests or anti-doping controls, <laughs> sports are in trouble. And I, I come back to this. If every promoter tested like Eddie Hearn did, we would just let them get on with it. But the risk of doing that is we become like bodybuilding, a sport that you can't televise and will just be in smoky working men's clubs and places like York Hall forever. Like, remember, athletics was at that point. I, I remember when I first came to England, you could watch the Weltklasser on ITV at 8 o'clock. Easy. Um, you could watch the Oslo Grand Prix. You could watch all of those sort of Diamond League events. Easily watch them. That's how I became a fan of people like um, Atto Bolden and Maurice Green and Donovan Bailey. Uh, Sergei Bobka was still doing his thing. Uh, Javier Sotomayor with the socks. Astrid Kumbenaus. Trina Hattestad in the javelin. Um, who else? Sonia Richards. Uh, Sandra Farmer-Patrick, sorry, got my names wrong there. Merlene Otti. All these people, because we could watch it on TV. And then the doping thing happened and people were like, yeah, put that to the side. Apart from the Olympics, put it to the side. And I think it's the same thing you've seen with bodybuilding and all those sorts of fitness events. They don't get mainstream exposure because people know these guys are taking drugs. And boxing is on the verge of becoming that sort of irrelevance if we don't clean, it, clean its act up. Harsh but true. But I stand on this. If Queensbury tested like Matchroom, they'd be in crisis too. If all those other promoters tested, if Sky tested, 
it would be because everyone's stealing an advantage right now. Because it's so easy to do, you'd be an idiot not to. And on the doping topic, do you know how many times I read on Twitter, ah, no one should listen to what Larry O says when it comes to doping because he's a cheat himself. And I'm like, who the hell do you expect to talk about drugs? Like, if I'm getting away with doping, why am I going to come on any media outlet and tell people how to get away with it? I'm not. The only way we learn about doping is from the people who get caught. And I have to remind people, Larry's no longer involved in boxing. Like, Larry's gone the acting route. So he's just doing this because he's like, I need to show the world what's happening. I need to show the world that I'm not the only one. And he's being proved right. So when people disrespect what Larry says, it's a bit cringeworthy, but I'm used to being involved in a sport where the people with opinions aren't the people who would put their balls on the line with those opinions. But it's fine. You know, all, all sorts get involved in the sport. But people should respect Larry because we wouldn't know half of what we do without him. And people like him. He's not the only one. There are many. So appreciate that. Because that's important. I'm trying to think. There's not much else. It's been such a flat week in boxing. I mean, I've just been enjoying the weather. Um, Joe Joyce? Nah, we'll save that for another time. I'm trying to think what else we need to talk about. I just want to touch on the, the matchroom card, September 30th. That's got Jayopataya versus Jordan Thompson. And let me be very clear when I say this. I, I like Jordan Thompson. I think Jordan Thompson's class. But Jordan Thompson's not an experienced boxer. Jayopataya is. He's a damn good boxer. So, yes, you've got to give Eddie credit for the shenanigans and maneuverings that got Thompson in position. But you're like, are you really hoping that he can use his size to land one lucky punch. Essentially against a pretty mobile and pretty quick southpaw. Yeah. Um, if Thompson gets outclassed, it's an absolutely shocking move. But what Eddie will always be able to say is, why didn't they put Reakpo in with him? And I genuinely think they pulled Reakpo out of a fight with Opatia for one reason and one reason only. He's a southpaw. And if you saw how long he, how long Riakpo struggled with Dion Juma. Until that fourth round when he put Juma down, he couldn't figure him out. And I think they just thought stylistically that's not a good look. Let, let Opatia fight Thompson. If he beats Thompson, that's a great domestic fight. Well, sorry, if Thompson wins, it's a great domestic fight between him and Riakpo, him and Billum Smith, him and whoever. So from a business perspective, I get it. But you've got all of these cruiserweights and the only person who's really making tracks is Chris Billum Smith. Um, Isaac Chamberlain's fast on, on, on his heels, and quite rightly too. And I'd, I wouldn't mind seeing the winner of that fighting Isaac Chamberlain. Why not? He's, he's put his mileage in. But he's got lethal Lowell problems to be dealing with soon. So that's, that's his world for now. What I would say about that September 30th card, for, for Wembley Arena card, pretty solid. And I give Matchroom a hard time. The Monaco show is dreadful. Um, that is literally having to eat the, the coffee quality streets. You know when you've just eaten everything else and they're the only ones and the, the mint ones in the green foil. And that's what that, that Monaco card is. It's terrible. Um, shows that there's no real love for Joe Cordina. 
But what an absolute mess of a card. That is small hall boxing at its best. But that September 30th card for Wembley Arena show, I'm okay with that. Eddie Scott is on there. I should really go. But we'll see. <laughs> I mean, like, my calendar's pretty full at the moment. But no, I'll apologise at the end of this, man. I'm just saying, look, not much is happening in boxing. So I might have to do like a Q&A thing or I might have to get someone, I might have to get a guest on if, if boxing carries on disappointing like this, which I promise I will do because I've been slacking on that for any number of reasons, which probably not worth going into. But yeah, just been slacking on the guest front, but we need, yeah, need a different voice and some texture to that. But listen, thanks for slogging through with me on this one. Um, I'm just hoping boxing will be the gift that keeps on giving pretty soon, but you know, we're in that kind of lull until probably this time next week when we're into the, yeah, we are into the, the Joyce Yang build-up. On that note, I'll say take care, guys. Thank you. <laughs>